0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Soul Medicine Festival podcast. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Ben Corder from the Centra, Center of Integral Health. Uh, ben is a holistic practitioner offering a huge, huge range, almost mind boggling range of skills, including kinesiology, Qigong, and one to one mentoring. So, welcome, Ben, to the podcast. Hi. Hi, Alex. Nice to see you. Thanks. Awesome. Awesome. So, yeah, Ben's coming to our camp out event. In May offering his skills so firstly Ben just wanted to ask um, a bit more about your journey and how you became the man you are today.
1: Like, like most things thanks like most things I think it started through disaster uh, you know I, I, did, I didn't necessarily have the easiest of upbringings um, you know single parent and uh, not a particularly well-off situation in life lots of moving around in early life so so from a a kind of a clinical point of view some interesting adverse childhood experiences but when i was in my teens i was lucky enough that uh i because of some of that early stuff i always felt a bit of a disconnection from what i would class as normal life muggle life and um i'd always kind of had a bit of an interest in looking at the world slightly differently and uh when I was in my mid-teens, I was lucky enough that my mum my had a connection that lived close to us in Cornwall where we were living at the time, and uh, she used to do psychic development. And my mum said, do you want to come along? Uh, and so I used to go along to this lady's house once a month with my mum, and we'd do all sorts of interesting stuff around feeling energy, psychometry, and it just introduced me to a load of really interesting concepts when I was uh, just 15 years old. And uh, this this lady also happened to uh, run a big three-day Mind, Body, Spirit event in Cornwall, the Cornwall New Age, as it was back then. So this is in the early 90s. And uh, mum and I used to go and help to set the event up. And uh, while the event was running, we'd be there, you know, gophering and helping out but they had uh, like four event talk areas, you know, very similar to, to Soul Medicine Medicine Fest. This theme has carried on now for over 30 years. It's beautiful. Uh, that when when we were collecting tickets on the events, because there was a lot of meditations and, and other quite deep work going on at times, uh, when the, the talks started, we had to uh, effectively police the door so that people couldn't just walk in late. And you always had the choice of standing outside the door or sitting inside. And I just loved sitting inside these talks and listening to all of these teachers uh, and and some very important characters to me who who I still uh, consider as teachers and mentors. I was introduced to at early ages. Um, And so I I had uh, about nine years that I used to go to this uh, festival and and do stuff. Um, But in the process of that, went away to university, trained as a, a teacher got to the end of a four-year honours degree and went there's no way I'm doing that yes. <laughs> That's the worst idea possible Um you know it, although you know back in the the 90s it wasn't so acknowledged as it is now but uh, I'm, I would be classed as neurodiverse uh, at that point because dys, dyslexia dyspraxia dysgraphia the worst job in the world for me was to be a primary school teacher mm. uh, you know I, I was sitting on the wrong side of the table I think in that one so I went off uh, and became an outdoor activity instructor. I used to teach climbing, high ropes. And during that, I got introduced to NLP uh, and was really fortunate at the time that the youth group that uh, I was doing some volunteering with, their owner uh, convinced Dorchester County Council to pay for 20 of us to do nine uh, mod- nine weekends residential to do an NLP practitioners uh, amazing with a, a guy called Reg Connolly from Pegasus Empowerment you know really really early days NLP stuff in the UK and it was incredible and they used to use that with the high ropes to talk people to climb up things and jump off things and do things they never thought they were going to do uh, and, I, and I've i always loved that that energy of supporting people to get past a point of resistance or stuckness and, and move into something that feels better Um, You know, I'd already started doing Qigong practice when I was a teenager uh, and various bits of martial arts and Tai Chi. uh, And, you know, while I was down in uh, doing the outdoor activity instructing, I went back to the the Cornwall New Age and uh, heard Sue Lilly give an incredible talk, uh, which is, again, the inspiration for what I'm going to be talking about, Soul medicine, Medicine Fest, is the Hacking Your Body's Computer. And she was talking about kinesiology as an inroad to trying to get into those nervous system pathways to understand really what's going on in your body and i found the talk absolutely fascinating you know she she spoke as well a lot about medical ethics and w- really opened my eyes at that point to the idea that uh, there were more financial incentives and health incentives in a lot of the medical uh, establishments at certain levels and uh, after her talk, I went up to her stand and said, oh, I've got these problems going on. Do you think you could help me? Uh, and she said, sit down and let's find out. And, and that was in 1999. That was my, my first introduction to kinesiology. And, and then I found a kinesiologist in Shropshire where I was living. I was in Shrewsbury at the time and did work with her for about six months. Had amazing changes in my life that definitely couldn't be put down to anything else other than the process that we were going through. Uh, but I found that she couldn't explain what she was doing very effectively, uh, or, or certainly not to my, my satisfaction. So I put myself on a kinesiology training course, didn't really enjoy the work I was doing at the time, and it looked like it could be a better option. And when I got to that first uh, four-day health kinesiology training, I just it just really made sense to me. It flowed for me, and I found the process very logical for my type of brain. Uh, And and in a sense, the rest uh, becomes history. Uh, As I mentioned to you before we started, today as we're recording is actually my 20th anniversary since I qualified in health kinesiology. Congratulations. Um, Yeah, thank you. It's amazing milestone. You know, it feels surreal in some ways uh, to think that that's what I've been doing for 20 years. But throughout those years, as a requirement, A, of my own interest and development, uh, I've gone on and done study in, Uh, Aromatic oils, uh, vibrational essences, homeopathics, sound work, colour work, qualified Bowen practitioner, uh, McLaughlin scar tissue release, uh, integral health on on large levels, so integral transpersonal psychology and uh, all sorts of aspects of the integral health model and uh become qualified in the qigong systems that i practice as well uh, after you know I've, I've been blessed with just having so many beautiful teachers and contributors into my life that uh, i've learned an incredible amount of stuff and uh and, and for me that's the joy i get to learn cool stuff about life the body energy psychology relationships the environment and then i get to share it with people and, and that's that's my career and uh it, it's so uplifting you know i never feel uh, there's never a monday morning feeling for me there's never a, oh god there's never a post-holiday blues feeling for me it's kind of like if i get to go away and travel and see different places and stuff that's amazing but then coming back to work it's kind of like that curiosity i don't know quite what we're going to do today or how we're going to do it how are you where are we let's be present and then see what we can do to create another step of transformation
0: yeah it must be incredible as well to look back on 20 years and think about all the people you've healed and helped over the years must be um very heartwarming. And yeah, it's funny you just mentioned the word uplift uplifting as well, because our, our motto for the festival is inspire, empower, uplift. And I feel like mm-hmm. you've kind of lived that lifestyle, that your whole life mm-hmm. it must be yeah, It is it's so, important, it. Uh,
1: so important to to walk this process. It's it's one of the things that I think I reflect back to, to a lot of my clients is that I, I'm not really any different than them other than I might be a step or two ahead of where they are in a journey you know Mm. so all it is it's it's like somebody's given me a torch and I'm walking ahead into my darkness into my unknown Uh, and every once in a while I I come across something really useful really beautiful and I get to turn around and say to people that are are walking the path too hey look there's this thing here you know it might be interesting for you and it is it's uh, you know, it's a real deep honor uh, to to share journey with people on these levels and, and get to be part of their transformations as they understand themselves
0: and make those shifts. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Love that humble approach to it all. And yeah. um, I think that's, that's easy. easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, this is a big reason why to get you on because I feel like you've had like a really kind of. Authentic path, and you've tried, you've tried to learn about all these incredible things. Because I feel like in the industry, uh, you've probably noticed this yourself. There is a lot of people that try and kind of blag it and don't really take the the study side seriously. So yeah, I feel like you've really gone deep with the things that you've learned
1: I think as well, a lot, a lot of, a lot of it is down to the how fortunate you are with the types of teachers you encounter. Uh, And, you know, a good teacher is not only giving you knowledge, but is helping you to develop wisdom. So there is absolutely, you know, uh, when when you said, sounds like you've had a really authentic path, my my head went, yeah, I've made a lot of mistakes uh, and I've got lots of stuff wrong. And uh, I've definitely upset a few people and there's been tears you know so if if that's if that's authentic then yeah definitely we've done that but you know th- those those lessons those teachings have definitely given me opportunity to reflect on who i am and where i am in a way that sometimes uh you know like maybe a more conventional um uh, academic path might not have done so so there's a lot more experiential learning a lot more embodiment involved in in how I've come through the last 20 years. Uh, And some of it's definitely been really rough and really hard. Uh, And there's definitely been moments where I've just wanted to give up. Um, And and I'm glad that I've learned that, you know, when you get to those points, you don't have to quit, you can just take a rest. And that you can just pause, let the dust settle for a minute, Mm recenter, gather yourself, and then, you know, marshal your resources and step forward. Because that road of awakening and that road of waking up and growing up, it's it's never ending. And that's probably one of the biggest lessons of 20 years is if you think you're there, you've only, you know, it's just like the false hills when you're going up mountains. Yeah. You think you're getting to the top of it, but you know, <laughs> there, there's another one to go. And as far as I can see, they just keep on coming. So settle in for the ride, you know, tortoise mode, yeah. just keep going.
0: That's what I love about the the spiritual path or the personal development path, whatever you want to call it, because, you know, it it can take you to your deathbed. You can always grow. You can always learn. There's always new wisdom to take on. Um, And I think it keeps the kind of um, thirst for life. I don't think that's the right word, but you you know what I mean? Keeps life (laughs) exciting and evolving.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm... I think one of the things that's inspired me in that as well is that my my Zen teacher, Genpo Roshi, he, 45 years after he's had his first Satori, his first awakening experience, he's still waking up and he says, you know, something just clicked for me the other week that, you know, has been stuck for, for years and, and then, and it transformed. You know, so so there's that inspiration again. As much as I kind of made the reference to kind of shining the light back to show the things that that I've seen, others are ahead of me and they're shining lights in my path as well and helping me to to choose the steps that I'm taking as I go along. And I find that uh, again really grateful for those amazing pioneers that are moving in different directions. And again, I love how it feeds. You know, I'm being fed, and I'm feeding, and those people will feed, and we'll just keep on taking those learnings, those growings, and, and passing them on and on and on as much as we're able to.
0: Yeah, it's it. I can't remember who said it, but there's a quote about everything being your teacher. Like not even just people, just everything in life is your is your guru. Sorry, not even your teacher, your guru. Um, yeah. I love that kind of approach to life. But yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, kinesiology because you're doing a talk on that at the the festival. Um, Could you just give us like a a brief sort of introduction for people like me who don't know a fat lot about kinesiology? (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: you might not know a lot about kinesiology, but everybody experiences the quality that we're using in kinesiology. And at a basic level, a kinesiologist is using manual muscle testing. So, this is where we're putting a limb in a fixed position and applying pressure that's in opposition to the normal movement of a muscle. So, for example, if a muscle is raising a limb, then a kinesiologist will try and lower the limb. And in a normal function, what should happen is that muscle will activate and it will just stabilize at the place where it's tested. If the muscle inhibits, if there's any kind of stress within, the pathways that are connecting through that muscle, then the muscle will move. So we we have a very simple binary technique. On, off, yes, no, good, bad, thanks, no, thanks. I'm okay with that, I'm not okay with that. And it's something that we've done through our whole lives, but we don't realize. And, and a very simple demonstration of that is, whenever you get a piece of bad news, oh, your system changes. You get good news, you see someone you don't like, see someone you do like, you go somewhere you don't like, oh I don't want to go there, go somewhere you do like, so your body, your nervous system is offering you this barometer of okay not okay all the time but we're not tuned to look at it so we don't feel that collapse in the system and we also don't necessarily notice what invigorates it. So in kinesiology in a a slightly more precise way we are working out What you need less of so that you're less stressed and you're less, uh, and what you could do with more of so you're more. uh.
0: So, is it like um, different body parts tell you different things about your kind of mental state? It it very
1: much depends on the system you're working with.
0: So, there in the UK, there's at least 20 schools
1: of kinesiology that all use manual muscle testing as their um, interface, if you like but how they apply that varies depending on the school. So, um, and I've trained now in several systems. Um, This is my first conversation in the morning (laughs) room. I've trained in several systems and uh, I I can vary between those systems depending on the types of information I'm trying to elicit from the body. So you can do it at uh, very physical levels allergens, toxins, nutrients, physical function. <clears throat> and you can also do it, emotional levels, subtle energy levels. You can basically work into any, any dimension, any direction that you have direct and clear uh, understanding of. And, uh, you know, personally, I feel that uh, to do good kinesiology, you need to have experience of the thing you're trying to test for. Uh, And an easy example of that was if you and I have never been to Fiji, we have a concept of Fiji, you know, and in my mind, it's coral, you know, coral seas, white beaches, palm trees. But without going there, I don't know if that's what Fiji is actually like. So my ability to test about Fiji is limited to an idea. So if we have direct experience of a thing, and that's partly why I tried to do the breadth of training that I have so that I have clear and direct experience for as much as possible, then then we can ask about that.
0: So have you been able to take uh, different bits from different forms of teaching? Because uh, last year I did a new meditation teacher training course because my original Mm -hmm. training was in the more kind of Hindu background and then more New Age stuff, what um, Osho brought in. And then last year I did Japanese Zen. And I've found that you can take things from, from both uh, rather than saying this is the path and that's not the path. It's like you can actually take things from both.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And, and I and I think that's an important thing in our in our current environment as well, in our current level of development as we are in the Western world, there's all these different approaches. We we don't need to necessarily feel limited. It's not to say that a scattergun approach is necessarily a good way either. So, you know, there has to be the discernment about, well, why am I using this approach? What is it that I'm I'm trying to get to? But with each individual that I work with, what is right for them and where they're going to go to, which comes down to their cultural, family, personal belief systems, you know, the way that they've developed from a genetic point of view the environment that they live in. You know, if you and I were doing this uh, podcast on a sunny beach in Thailand right now, it would be a very different sensation to here we are in winter UK. Uh, So, you know, there's lots of factors that can change what we require and why. Uh, And there are some things that, you know, I, I don't use for years at a time, but then when that client comes in and that's what they need, that is there for them. And we can work to that because... that that breadth of experience and training is there. So, you know, kinesiology is a great tool, but not all kinesiology or kinesiologists are working at the same level or in the same directions. And, and, you know, for people that are are researching into that, you know, look at some of the the big kinesiology organisations, ASK, Kinesiology Federation, uh, International College of Applied Kinesiology, those types of organisations, Touch for Health, and look at the directions that they're moving and if that is if that's something that then resonates with you calls to you and feels like the right direction for you then you go and try it but you might need to try two or three practitioners to find the one that's doing that approach in the way you need because we've all developed slightly independent
0: yeah and that, that's what i love uh, about the holistic pro- approach just going back to what you said before that, that they actually like need to learn about the patient about the low star and everything whereas when you go to the doctors, it's kind of bizarre. It's just like, okay, I don't know, my back's hurting or whatever. And it's just like you focus on that one thing. Here's something oh. to get rid of the the pain or whatever it is, and off you go. Yeah. Whereas uh, well, it's yeah, the holistic based medicine,
1: yeah, and and I think a lot of holistic's we're we're looking, we're more interested in causality as much as symptom. You know, we want to see the change in symptom. We we try and understand the cause and. You know, for, for where for where I've been working, certainly over the last kind of 10, 11 years, holistic, from from my perspective, is a body-mind integration. And uh, when I came across Ken Wilber's Integral Theory in kind of 2009 uh, and started understanding the his all-quadrant, all-level model, which is not just body-mind, but is then explicitly culture and environment, so that we're adding two more dimensions in there, you know, holistic in body mind. We've got uh, subjective in the mind. We don't know where it really is. We've got objective in the body. You know, I can point to you. I know where your liver is. I can even show your brain waves if I set up a, a monitor for them. So we've got measures that are objective and measures that are subjective. You know, and the mind is the subjective, the body is the objective. But then we have the collective side of that. The Uh, inter-subjective which is our culture our relationships you know here we are a pair of white males we we have a particular culture that is implicit to who we are because of how we've been raised and that is then mediated by the environment which is the inter-objective you know so here we are beautiful UK uh, as we're just coming through that in bulk transition and uh, you know that's different than if we were Uh, black females that were brought up in you know sub-saharan africa you know that there's so many variations that can be there uh, and that all has an impact on body mind so you know although those might implicitly be involved in in holistic practice they're not explicitly talked about very often And, and it's only through integral theory that i've really started bringing that explicitly into the work i do
0: yeah, and I suppose that's what, yeah, 20 years of experience does, you start to, like, gather more and more, well, if you, if you do things properly, more and more um, knowledge and avenues together. Um, my kind of brief introduction to kinesiology was through Dr. David Hawkins' book, uh, Power sure. Versus Force, which I know you've yep. spotted a few holes in, but um, <laughs> from the first time yeah. we met, we discussed it briefly. Uh, But I found that really interesting at the whole scale of consciousness and whatnot. What what do you think of the the book? Uh, I mean,
1: I'm going to dial back, first of all, and look at at doing scaling. I I think that when when we assess, you know, because quite often, especially with the epigenetic work that I do, we often do assessment based on a scale. You know, it's on a scale of 100 percent where 100 represents the optimum or the worst. Where are we? You know so so we get a a semi subjective measure about where we're at because then we want to find out once we've applied whatever solution we're looking for, does that you know do we improve towards optimal or do we move away from you know most detrimental um so so there's a great value in finding ways of scaling stuff uh when I read power versus force the the first part of the book I found really interesting his his experience he was clearly having a Transpersonal experiences, and they were really, uh, really interesting to read. But then, when we got into his measure, uh, I, I just didn't find it okay. Um, I found it a way too biased. Um, and if you're listening to to, to this at any point, uh, you know Hawkins, please do feel free. I'd love to debate you on it. Um, you know, maybe we can set that up uh, to, to suggest that. Things like anger and fear were below a level of truth. So that's that's telling you that your anger and your fear aren't true, aren't you know, it, it's it's disqualifying what their purpose is. And you know, if we look around, especially again in, in good transpersonal work, if we look in good trauma work, then we know that those things are not untrue. So for a start off, I think the scale is unfair. Uh, you know, we go up to a 1,000 in on his scale for divinity. Uh, and, he, and he had some really weird incongruences. So, for example, uh, the people that tested his book for him or the people that he worked with, American flags always tested really high in the 7, 800s, which you're talking about major religious figures being in the 8, 900s. So mm. he's putting the American flag at the same level of energetic congruence as um, some significant figures within uh, personal development. Uh, and, you know, you go and flash that fa- flag around Vietnam or, you know, uh, North Iraq. Korea or Iraq or Afghanistan, you know, so, so there's a bias in that test already. And he, he always tested swastikas as rating really low great, let's go and spend a whole bunch of time wandering around Asia where, hey. you know, Surya as a sun symbol has been used for more thousands of years than, you know, we can possibly imagine. And we'll see, you know, how low it tests there. So he he, he had clear cultural imbalances. He would always rate country and music Western, uh, sorry, country and Western music quite high, heavy metal quite low. And it's kind of like, well, let's look at the themes of country and Western music. It's usually about betrayal, you know, unrequited love, disaster, uh, not sure why those rates so high. Uh, you know, so it was it was interesting. Uh, and of course, when his own students rated his own book, again it was up in the seven hundreds. Yeah. So the 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 bias was just too too big for me in there. So while I think scaling is useful, I didn't like his.
0: No, no, that's a that's a great explanation. Thank you, thank you for sharing. <laughs> um. Yeah. And maybe that he had some kind of financial incentive with the political stuff. Who knows. I may I may just throwing that out there. <laughs> can't can't accuse him. <laughs> <of that. laughs> but yeah. Um, see I noticed that on Russell Brand's festival advertising, I think this is a recent thing, you're now highlighted as one of the, the main attractions for the festival. So congratulations because I know that's a, a big event. Um so how did that come about? Have you ever like met him personally or how did his team get in covered? Sure,
1: kind of I, I'm not I'm not a celebrity stalker, first of all. Um okay. and uh I've really, I've always, I think I've always enjoyed his sense of humor, and even through his early film work, um, you know, you've got to look at things like forgetting Sarah Marshall, getting to the Greek, things like that. I, I think he's he's got a, a certain sense of comedy that that really speaks for me, and and then over the last ten years, I've been watching his journey, his development. Uh, as he's gone deeper into his own recovery from addiction, as he's worked more to try and support communities and help people with their struggles, uh, you know, and I've been and seen his live shows on a number of occasions, and... I went to see him last year in Birmingham, I don't know if you yeah, there. sure, yeah. uh, and, uh, and he started doing the meditations, you know, so th- this was the beautiful thing in, l- in the last tour, is that the, for anybody that didn't get to see it, at the end of the the actual show he would say right anybody that wants to leave you can leave I'm just going to take a 20 minute break or so and come back and do a meditation Q&A for anyone that wants to hang around so it ended up generally in the two times I went and saw that show being only about a third of the audience left we'd all go right down to the front and it was just really nice (laughs) excuse me his energy was really nice and uh we got to, to do this meditation. And uh, the second time I went and saw the show, because I'd won tickets for the final show of the, uh, the, the series, of the, the tour. And, uh, and so I'd been in con- contact with some of his marketing team. And I hadn't been able to go to uh, Community 2022, but I'd seen it, looked like an amazing event. And so when I was speaking to the marketing team, I just got cheeky and said look I do this stuff and I love what Russell's doing and I would love to be involved in in 2023 and I was lucky enough that I got passed to uh, the right person had a meeting and uh, they were keen to to get me on board with what was going on Uh, and I I knew this back a while ago but I haven't been allowed to say anything until last week until it was all officially announced so uh, so yeah so I'm really looking forward I mean such an amazing lineup of people so, really, uh, a peak moment for me to see myself on the bill with all of those fabulous names. And, and I'm really looking forward to being there. And I'll be sharing some of the Bowen technique as well, which is a soft tissue work that I really enjoy doing uh, and Qigong teaching.
0: Yeah, nice one. No, congratulations. Like I said, some big names. I think, uh, it's Wim Half, obviously, Russell himself. Um, I saw they've got Nick Morvey singing, who I tried to get to my event, but uh, failed this time. <laughs> But yeah, but our event we've got we've got Ben obviously ourselves, and we've got Radhika Das, who's at Russell Brands as well. So Brilliant. excited for that he's doing there uh, the curtain.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it it really is a a good lineup of people, and uh, you know, for me, it it is always uh, humbling to to be on a lineup like that. You know, because you're you're aware of the fact that you're you're getting to add into that collective energy as well. And, and this is one of the things that's you know beautiful about Soul Medicine Fest, about community, about any of these uh, great holistic events is that we're creating these fields there as well. So we're creating this energetic magnetism for people to connect into that in its best senses, all there to really support us, really help us to grow, really help us develop but also to realize that we're not alone on these journeys, you know, and that's, that's that kind of real energy about, you know, I know what, with what you're doing, with what Russell's doing is that there's that sense of, look, we can come together in these places and we can share these experiences. And, you know, you might not be okay. I might not be okay, but that's okay. (laughs) We can, we can find our way forward bit by bit, sharing knowledge and space and food and music and experiences and, You know, I've been working festivals for over 10 years. Uh, You know, most years I'm at the Eden Festival up in Dumfries, Genchi Gong and and Bowen work. And it's just beautiful. You go back year after year and people come back and see you and connect with you. And, you know, again, I, I really enjoy those. I really enjoy people coming back and saying, hey, you know, that thing we did last year, it really helped me with this or from there I went on and did this or changed that or did this and you know uh, and you you hear these stories of growth with people over the time and they're the things that just you know kind of you realize that whatever the difficulty of the day is it's just fabulous to be part of those journeys with people
0: yeah, I'm really looking forward to that in like a few years' time. I've already had little bits, like someone came up to me recently and said they did the first ever sound bath at one of my events last year. Obviously, last oh, yeah. year was our, our first year. Uh, and now they, they go to one like every couple of weeks and they've found it's been really beneficial to the stress levels or whatever. So, yeah, little things like that, very uh, heartwarming and motivating, isn't it? Yeah,
1: totally. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah, um, another thing I want to talk about on your website, it mentions the extensive travel you've done, including India and the Himalayas, which are two of my favourite spots that I've been to, probably the two favourite spots. Um, What do you feel you've gained most from travel?
1: Realising that it's easy to think the world is only what you see around you. But when you start walking, actually, you realize it's so much more. And I think until you've actually had an opportunity to travel, again, our perspectives are limited. So we we can only reflect on those cultures and those environments that we've been involved in. Uh, And I'm, you know, I, I didn't necessarily, you know, we didn't grow up as a rich family, so we didn't travel a lot when we were younger. But we were always interested in the environments that were around us. So, you know, we would go to sacred sites, ancient sites. We would go to um, uh, national trust properties, places of natural beauty. So I was always encouraged to look at the world in that way. Um, And then when I was in university, I I did a a classic thing at university and, and my one of my student loans uh, paid for me to go and spend five weeks in Canada. Uh, didn't use it for any uh, of my actual education, <clears throat> but it was part of my education. I went and spent five weeks out in Canada. And and that really just started that flavour for me of, you know, and I, I'd always really enjoyed uh, hiking and climbing and being out in a lot of the beautiful natural places we have here in the UK. Uh, and, I you know, I've literally... Tried as many of them as I can get my hands on from the far north reaches of Scotland to Cornwall to Wales to the peak and uh, the lakes, all sorts of places. Uh, And then just being able to travel to different places. I mean, I've been lucky in that I've got two older brothers and one of them spends a lot of time uh, in India, Bali, uh, Singapore, uh, those kinds of areas. And the other one uh, uh, where in the seasons is a himalayan mountain guide so uh you know i i always had a lot of support when i went to some of those countries uh and they're just amazing to go and see and you know i've been to various parts of north and south africa egypt lots of places around europe uh and they they really are phenomenal places to get to experience and and so i think it's it's valuable to just go and taste the culture You know, go and walk around in somebody else's life and realize that your rules, your beliefs, your ideas, your limitations are are just up here. You know, that actually, like the first time I ever um, was in a taxi uh, on an Indian road from an airport going to my first hotel, I think I nearly soiled myself (laughs) because I couldn't believe how fast and how close and how tight they drove and all those horns that later came to understand were just conversations you know they're just beep beep hi I'm here beep beep yeah I heard you beep beep I'm just coming past yep yep all right right."
0: yeah Yeah, because it sounds really aggressive at first doesn't it like the first time I ever went to Asia I went to um, Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam that was very similar there's not many cars it's many motorbikes there can be literally 50 motorbikes wide and they're all weaving out of each other beep 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 (laughs)
1: yeah yeah but it's incredible and then to be within a a few days comfortable enough to be on a moped myself and kind of in there on the horn and yeah you know it, it does and, and eating local you know I mean for anybody that uh, travels the only thing to do is eat local you know is to go out and uh, you know I I, uh, I was lucky enough um, of it's 10 it's 10 years ago now Um, going to Malaysia uh, and spending two weeks uh, training with uh, Grandmaster Jimmy Howe who's a Uh, and an an amazing teacher, uh, staying in Chinatown in uh, Kuala Lumpur and, you know, actually just going down for breakfast in the morning in in these places and hanging out and talking to people. And, you know, for anyone that's been in Chinatown in Kuala Lumpur, you know, it's a crazy place. And there's a lot of pressure for you to buy in the market down there. But a lot of the traders, when they realise that I'd been there for more than three days... They stopped trying to sell to me and they started talking to me uh, because a lot of people just go through like on long weekend type things and you know do Kuala Lumpur and then disappear off to somewhere else. Um, and you know, I went to traditional Chinese doctor there and would go and just sit in this place where they hardly spoke any English and you know all this traditional herbalism and just got to see the world in different ways. And and I, you know, I really those experiences just enrich. Your perspectives and and remind you that some of the stuff that you think isn't okay is really not that bad um yeah. you know the recent trip i had to to egypt realized actually you know, that the poverty in cairo was it was excessive it was harsh uh and you know realizing that money isn't going where it should do and, and just how fortunate a position that i'm in it, it really does kind of remind you that a lot of the stuff that you're sweating ain't really all that bad. And, you know, I know there's a lot of people in the UK that are, are really struggling at the moment as well. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm really glad and I'm really fortunate to be in the, the position I'm in. So it also has made me very grateful uh, for the life I've been able to, to create.
0: Yeah, that was actually the next question I was going to ask because I had a few experiences with, like, extreme poverty. And I was literally, like, embarrassed at the whole bubble that I was in um yeah. it really humbled me like I was in Cambodia in a tuk-tuk and we got to some traffic lights so I didn't travel and um, take any cash around with me hardly just enough for the day um and this little boy was uh, begging he was about five years old came up and I was like look I haven't, I haven't got any money I had a little bit of food left over in my thing I was embarrassed to do it because I thought he's going to be like what, what are you doing but I said oh do, do you want the rest of this and his face, like lit up, okay. like he'd won the lottery. He couldn't believe that he'd got this, like quarter tray of rice and chicken or whatever it was. Uh, and he was like really grateful for it. So that that yeah. was like a moment for me. Where I was like, wow, I've I've uh, had a very privileged life. It is, and it's heartbreaking. And I think
1: one of the most difficult things for me personally is the feeling that like if if you've got somebody that that's begging for cash i'm not going to fundamentally change their situation by giving them cash you know if anything what i do is reinforce the fact that if you stay begging you will get cash so Mm -hmm. it it doesn't help to redirect. you know and i know especially within uh in some of the the countries there are essentially um gang controlled uh begging rings that use people who are disabled and children. I came across that really in, in Nepal. Okay, I came across that in Nepal. They're using yeah, the
0: yeah. child, it was horrible. Yeah, and, and that's really difficult
1: stuff to, to see because there's that part of you that wants to support and help but you know that actually you're reinforcing a situation that in the long run is, is not going to help and, and to know where to direct energy that will then actually be useful because uh, there's a certain amount of guilt that comes with it as well you know I, I couldn't change where i was born or how i was raised and you know as i mentioned i came up through a poor family we didn't uh, we we weren't flush you know so everything that like my mum achieved and uh, and i've achieved and my brothers achieved we've done it because we worked hard you know not because we came from a place where you know we did have advantages obviously because we had education that we could access i was lucky enough that I was the like the last year in 1994 I was the last year where we got full grant coverage for our tuition fees in university so you know there were there were privileges I got that even as a poor person we were able to access stuff and I just was able to make enough of that to move me forward yeah. and you know don't get me wrong I'm still not rich in a uh, in a certain sense, but on another level, I, I'm incredibly rich and, a, and have an incredible wealth on, on so many different levels, and it's it's really not all about money as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's obviously another important thing, isn't it? So it's like a yeah balance of learning how lucky you are, but also that yeah, money's not there. Be all and end all. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but now I think that's really important what you said because this might sound brutal but it's important not to get in that victim mentality isn't it like you've got the situation you're given and things like that you say giving money to beggars and things like that you can reinforce that mentality whereas actually you need to feel empowered there and I'm also not
1: going to help them by making myself poor so, yeah. so this is sometimes uh, another side of this coin is the idea of well, if I give all away, if I give away all my wealth, if I give away all of the things I have, uh, and be like that, it's not going to help me or them. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll gain lessons from it, and you know, if any of uh, any of the listeners have read Shantaram as a book, you know, the, the concept that there's a lot to be gained from being in those spaces is very real. But am I fundamentally going to make a massive difference to me or to them if I if I kind of give up where I'm at to be at that level?
0: Yeah, I came across a really interesting charity locally called uh, the Lotus Sanctuary recently. I like what they're doing because uh, they're getting people off the streets and into like housing. But they're not just doing that because obviously then they could easily. So a lot of people have addictions or this kind of thing fall back into the same trap so that you have therapists that go in and have to do i don't know at least one session a week might be more than that um, and actually try and heal the the deeper wounds that's going on that's manifesting these things uh,
1: and there was a beautiful charity that i came across in malaysia as well uh, so in kuala lumpur there's an area called Brickfields, and it's famous for the blind massage schools and so what they do is they, you know, because again, for, for a lot of people in, in those situations, if you're blind, your ability to work is so limited uh, because they don't have some of the, the disability support and the disability options that we have here in the UK, for example. Uh, and so one of the things that they've done is, is teach uh, hundreds and thousands of uh, people who are blind how to massage. Uh, and so you can go along and do a you know, full spa experience massage. And um, they're incredible because they're not judging you in in a in a way that we might get judged in other situations. Because they can't see you, you know. So they're they're finding their way around those parts of your body through a highly developed sense of touch, and you know, really incredible. It's something I highly recommend for anybody that's in Kuala Lumpur. Go and find the blind massage schools in Brickfields. Again, you're supporting charities and supporting people that uh, wouldn't have other means of income if it wasn't for the kindness of that
0: group. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. And that goes back to the word I used, empowerment. Like They're feeling empowered, aren't they? People aren't just giving them handouts and they kind of sat around doing nothing that you feel like they've got a purpose, uh, which I think's very important as well. So, yeah, um, next thing I want to talk about, because I've seen you very kind of vocal about some of the um, authoritarianism, if you like, that's been going on in the last few years and a lot of corruption, something I've been very passionate about as well. Um, I do talk about it a lot more on, a, on another platform I've got, but I don't really talk about it on here. But yeah, it's something I think is really important. So I just wanted to yeah, discuss it with you and see what your kind of views are and what's kind of going on in the world. I mean, not, not that that's a big question.
1: Um, yeah. I think when you consider the essentially the field that we're in here, which is one of health uh, and one of personal integrity, personal development, uh, empowerment, of growth, I, I don't look at a lot of the main political processes and think that those qualities are being supported there. We, we can very easily, you know, I mean, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, I'm busier uh, client-wise with what I would see as the more physical issues uh, in my work, um, you know, so allergies, digestive problems, hormonal problems, energy stuff, pain, mobility issues, um, you know, mental health stuff, busier than I have ever been in 20 years, you know, and I've got... Uh, a bigger waiting list than I, I could have ever imagined that I would be having in work. And I know that a, a big part of that is because of the systematic defunding of the NHS over the last decade by the Conservative government in the UK. And you can see similar issues. You know, the USA spend more per head on uh, health, uh, you know, illness the, than any other developed nation in the world. And yet they've got one of the sickest populations in the world. Um, uh, our financially dominated systems are not working. And and it's at the absolute detriment of, of the people. And we've only got to look at the people who are in power uh, and look at their investments, look at their voting records, you know, because everybody can talk a good shag. The, the rhetoric is, is politics speak but actually the actions of it. uh, I mean, you know, how many people know that uh, Rishi Sunak had massive shares in uh, one of the founding companies of Moderna? Um, You know, so was there a political bias when you're supporting uh, mRNA mRNA vaccines to be the only course of treatment for COVID over the last few years? Um, You know, there's a lot of stuff that we can see is pathological and we know it. And this is one of the reasons why I think we are, you know there's so much ill health and dis-ease because to to be healthy in a maladjusted society is not a good sign so actually a lot of the the struggle that we're experiencing is a reflection of the fact that our society isn't doing okay and you know that is stimulated by um, legacy media that have uh, vested financial interests in Business working as usual, and it's not about the people. You know, more people using food banks, more people below the poverty line, biggest NHS waiting lists ever. You know, what are we entering into? uh, The lowest standard of living uh, in 70 years uh, in the UK. And because of how, especially online media, is so controlled by the big tech companies, people are being silent shadow banned compartmentalized they don't necessarily realize how many people are stressed and affected and and i think one of the biggest things to say is you are not alone out there you know we are struggling but we are not individual and you know find a local stand in the park group together declaration good law project you know there are so many organizations just in the uk alone that are saying to people Come together, you know, we know that things are painful. We know that things are difficult, and we are going to continue pressuring to get them right. While we've got unelected people like Rishi who haven't got a clue what it's like to, to live in a life like this tax avoidance and not actually contributing into the country, but just making sure that those VIP lanes for yourself and your friends and your family are raking in billions of taxpayers' money that are making our cost of living and our standard of living worse and harder when they don't need to be. You know, energy caps, when energy companies are showing record profits, those public utilities should not be allowed to be for profit. You know, they should, you know, public transport, all of this kind of stuff, those infrastructures, we need to be healthy, to be well, to connect, to feel safe so that we can actually be creative in the world. Uh, You know, we need to be able to do those things, but that doesn't seem that that is the agenda of a certain group of people at a certain level in our society who essentially treat us with contempt and disdain. Uh, And I, for one, would like to see that change. It's part of why I support Russell's work, because although he doesn't know what the answer is, he knows it isn't this, and he knows that we need to come together and do something different about it. So in a nutshell... (laughs)
0: There you go. <laughs> I don't know you've done that so well. You've kind of covered everything in a neat little little package there. Beautifully done. Uh, yeah. So tell me I think... a bit about yours
1: though, Alex, as well. What's your reflection on that stuff?
0: Mine would be very similar, yeah. So um, one thing that was eye-opening to me was finding out that 70% of mainstream media is funded by big pharma, including the big tech companies and whatnot. I don't know how true, how accurate that 70% is. Um, but it's quite obvious when you see that they, they never get questioned, despite the um, lack of effectiveness of a lot of the products, yes. despite a lot of, like that, like you mentioned, the backhanders going on and politicians and shares. Loads of this stuff just hasn't been called out in the mainstream at all. or the history, because like Pfizer, I think, had the biggest lawsuit against them in history. It was like
1: One of the biggest two- criminal fines for fraud and
0: deception, yeah. Two billion was it? Two point three billion. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, and I think that's a massive thing. Is is the media, isn't it? That's obviously what's um, controlling. Not controlling, but yeah, controlling people's minds in a way. And that's why I love about things like meditation. I think why in our circles a lot of people can kind of see through it is because when you actually sit and you're at peace and you reflect on things, you can feel it in your body in a voice that this isn't right yeah yeah Well, really it's important.
1: interesting that uh in in communism in the 50s in china a lot of the taoist masters and teachers were all killed because they, they were espousing uh a position where you're the center of your own universe you have sovereignty and you know that isn't going to work in a communist uh situation so you have to get rid of those you know, and, and the whole media situation is one side of it. But when you look at the fact that World Health Organization, CDC, Federal Drug Administration and our own UK MHRA, the, uh, the Medicines uh, Healthcare Regulatory Authority, are all 75 to 85 percent funded by the industries they're regulating. So, the MHRA has just come out recently that said they're going to be less of a watchdog on um, pharmacy and more of an enabler to help get those products to market faster. So, who's regulating and watching? You know, when the Pfizer papers came out last year and we saw how much uh, of the raw data had been so cherry picked over their vaccines, and uh, essentially it was a wasted product. And then by November, you've got the EU COVID committee having Pfizer executives admitting that there was no evidence of um, prevention of transmission and that they were asking then for the resignation of the head of the EU and a refund from Pfizer for the fact that they basically got sold a product that did virtually nothing, um, you know, and that was through the EU parliament. And of course, it never made it onto mainstream UK news because it wasn't uh, 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 a supported agenda. And we know now as well that the big tech, big media companies, we're all asked from a political point of view to uh, hide and uh, essentially block and ban anybody that had a dissenting narrative to the one that was trying to be sold. And and that is, you know, that's a totalitarian way of being. We're in a technocracy. Uh, it's it's just not right.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. And I think a big concern for me as well is this globalism that like you're talking about, World Health Organization, this one voice on health. Um the World Economic Forum, they are all meeting up uh, at Davos a few weeks ago. These big um, sort of political groups that are all in each other's pockets. Um, And globalism has been sold as this great thing because obviously, even in our circles, um, spirituality, it's this idea of oneness and all coming together. And it's kind of sold like that, this beautiful thing, which it could be uh, if it was led by the right people. But yeah, it's sold this way. And in fact, it's kind of the opposite. It's about the globe coming together to support these kind of 1% or less than 1% people so they can live their cushy lives.
1: I think that's it. The the concept of world-centrism, of us working as one world, sharing resources, supporting, sharing information, knowledge, research, development, the idea of that, has a seed of success, has a seed of something that could be very valuable, but because it's being done in the way it is, it's it's still a very divisive situation, it's still a them and us, Uh, and and it's mostly about that kind of rich elite being able to do what the hell they want uh, around the world in whatever way they want, and everybody else being kept at a very, very low level. The problem with that is that you create a dominator hierarchy. So rather than being a growth hierarchy that is supporting growth through the levels, we have a dominator hierarchy, and eventually that has to collapse. Uh, it cannot maintain, and eventually these lower levels are going to have to say, "Nope, we're not doing this anymore, and it's been seen repeatedly. Uh, and yet I think it's going to be costly in, in all sorts of ways to go through that process, and it shouldn't be, and it doesn't have to be but there's going to have to be something to make that change but world centrism centrism of itself has some potential great benefits if it was done in an ethical and healthy uh, and equitable way but that's just not what's happening
0: yeah i almost like the idea of it going back to like really um much smaller communities uh, like back in the day because then I don't know, if you're, everywhere was governed slightly different, a different way of living, you can kind of be like, well, I don't really like how this community is going, doesn't really support me, you can go here. Because what we've got at the moment, it's almost like everything's heading in the same direction. It's that like you have to, yeah, use our, our money that we're kind of using as a pyramid scheme in itself through uh, central banking. Yeah. Well, it, run, it runs through every sector, I suppose. Yeah. We've covered, really. Right?
1: And we could definitely do with local autonomy, so local cultures, local situations, doing what's best for them, you know, being able to, to be the healthiest thing that, you know, because if you live, let's say in, you uh, know, kind of Lapland, the same policies there for, you know, Tunisia, it's not gonna work for Barbados, for, uh, you know, Alaska, for South America we need that that local choice that regional choice to be able to do things but i also think we need to have global coordination to make sure that that local energy doesn't have a detrimental impact in a way that would you know ripple out through the world and you know, in some ways we're we're seeing that in a non-localized way we've got a small group that are shagging it all for of the rest of us but you know, there there are ways of doing it. I think that could be healthy. I mean, I'm not the man to solve that problem. I don't think that way, but I can see that uh, that that's a potential, and, and it could definitely be done. But it, it me, we need to get rid of the 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 narcissists and the sociopaths and the uh, the unhealthy people from those positions of power, and, and find a way of doing it differently.
0: Do, do you feel positive about that? Because I kind of like have weeks and like. <laughs> Then we're going to take them down, it's going to be a revolution, it's going to be great. And then other weeks, so i like, oh, shit, we're really, uh, really fucked
1: <laughs> uh, I'll give you a very different answer to that. Um, uh, and it, it delves a bit into to a bit of my history that um, when I was at university, I, I struggled with depression, anxiety, uh, drug and alcohol problems, all sorts of stuff uh, as I was going through that. And one of the things that helped get me through... I I had on my computer desktop, I had a picture of spiral galaxy M51, which is one of the early Hubble photographs. And in that galaxy, you can see other galaxies. It's so, it's amazing. And I would remind myself that if that thing is up there spinning around, doing what it's doing, then anything that goes on down here doesn't matter. And that allowed me to let go of that sense of overwhelm of how I was feeling at the time. And I think if we, we take a look at world history over even a million years, which is a fraction of the time this planet's been spinning around, then this little period of history, it doesn't mean anything. You know, It means stuff because people are hurting and we feel it and we're there with it. But like all other things, it will pass and it will transform into something else. And we've got to remember that a part of us is in that spirit and moving with it anyway. So, this bit of me, this meat sack that I walk around in right now, you know, that's destined for death anyway. That is going to die, it is going to transform, it is going to become something else. So, if I get too fixated into the small picture into that pain then i miss the opportunity for the grandness and the grandeur and the beauty of the universe that is around me all the time you know at the moment there uh, just because of the change in the energy the stars the light the air you know nature is starting to come back to life as we move into the early parts of spring so i keep on reminding myself that that's only a problem where it's a problem. All these other systems within the planet, within the solar system, within the universe, they're all still just doing what they're doing and this me- makes no difference. So am I optimistic? Yep, because everything is going to die on this planet. Everything, it's all going. You know, At some point, there is not one thing on this planet that will remain and at some point, the planet will be gone as well. So am I optimistic? Definitely, because it's not going to last forever. You know, so, so again, it's, it's kind of like, what, could, what can we do, find the good stuff, find the healthy stuff, you know, find the things that enable it to be win win between you and whoever you're interacting with, so that if you're gaining, they're gaining and make the most of the life you have, love your family, love your friends, play music and, you know, do the things that make life rich while you have the opportunity to do so. Uh, and don't step on other people to do it you know Mm -hmm. so you've got personal responsibility that's where my optimism is is in the choices that people can make and and I love the people that are making those choices you know the contributions that you're bringing with the festivals that we're doing around us to just add some health into life while we have the opportunity and if we all get smothered and crashed out in the wave that comes through later on at least we, you know, went out dancing.
0: Yeah, love that, love that. And for me personally, like um, the whole spiritual view on things is what's got me through and helped me massively because I think if I didn't have that perspective, it would be easy to get bogged down in it all. Like we were talking about earlier, um, when you hit rock bottom, that's what started things for you. Same for me and a lot of other people. So maybe in a way, we're kind of going for this collective rock bottom that's going to birth. Um, a fantastic new world and also on personal levels we've got these these challenges these big challenges now that are kind of helping us grow in a way because we're gonna have to step up to the plate like you're you're sharing things I'd imagine you've had I don't know confrontations or people with alternate opinions but you're standing in your in your truth and integrity and what you believe Um, and it's kind of pushing you to do that and grow
1: Yeah, I mean, thankfully I'm glad that I haven't had a lot of confrontation with it. I think partly because I'm trying to come from a position of this is another possibility. You know, uh, Ken Wilber in his integral theory says, nothing is ever hundred percent wrong. You know, there's always stuff in there that has value and can give us insight. So, you know, I don't like to throw anything out. Uh, You know, there's always a possibility that some aspects uh, are real in ways we can't tell, but some things have greater depth and greater truth than others. Uh, And I think, especially since the the advent of NLP and the, the language development that we've got now in the world, we're very good at saying things very carefully in a way that points us in a particular direction and encourages us to ignore a whole bunch of other stuff and you know we've got to remember it's like the old story about the blind man walking through the forest you find the elephant in their search for god and they're all touching different parts of it and they all think that that's essentially what what god is what spirit is and they're all right but none of them are wholly right it's all partial truth so as long as we remember that partiality, you know, like I am a whole person, but I'm partial to the greater wholeness of my culture, my society, humanity. You know, so so it's never a done deal. Uh, you know, and again, phrases like the science is settled, <laughs> you know, there, there's always room for change. Uh, and again, that that's one of the things I'm grateful for over my 20 years is that. There are things that I thought were useful, beneficial, true. And I've dropped some of those. And there are other things that I didn't understand, didn't like, wasn't into that I've then taken on board and and been able to integrate. So, again, it's still part of that journey of discovery. Ultimately, in the big picture of things, it don't matter. You know, the, the universe is going to take all that energy and transform it into something else in another 10 billion years, which, you know, as a time scale, it doesn't really care about. So it's fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And there's lots of lessons to learn. About, isn't there, I've learned a lot about myself the last two or three years and some things I wish I'd have gone back and done differently. Uh, yeah. A big thing for me was, because I was quite quite vocal on social media, and I didn't get much backlash, to be fair, but I did get a bit. But I wish I'd talked more about uh, unity, because I feel like yeah. one thing we all had in common is we're all, we're all concerned, like whether you thought that the virus was going to kill us all Or whether you thought um, Bill Gates and the restaurant are out to make us all poor and give us poison, or whatever it is. Really, you know, we're both in fear, we're both um, wanting the best for humanity. So I just, yeah, I feel that could have been a nice avenue to go down.
1: But that's okay because to even get to a point where we have that realization now is great. Because then you always have the opportunity to just start doing that now. You know, and again, Soul Medicine Fest is perfect for that. It's about bringing people together, people that want to connect. And if people don't want to do that, that's okay. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons as well. Uh, And and Ken Wilber used to speak to this on levels of development, you know, when he was looking at uh, using things like spiral dynamics and levels of cultural development, that people are where they are. And uh, as an individual, I have no right to require anybody else to be anywhere else other than where they are. And, you know, if I think that they're at level four and they should be at level five, well, if I'm at level six, then why aren't I at level seven? You know, there's always another level of development, another perspective that we can go to. But people are where they are. And we have to respect that up to a point, Um, you know, as long as they're not deliberately causing harm to us or the people around us um you know we have to respect people are where we are and we can't expect them to change just because we think that they would be better off if they did and that is also unity it's the allowance you know there's no good having inclusion policies that don't actually include you you know you can be included but only if you do this or don't do that well that's not an inclusion policy you know that's just another set of totalitarian rules dressed up as inclusion so you know unity is a thing well you know you be how you want mate just don't hurt me
0: or anybody else and i'll be how i want and i'll do my best not to hurt
1: you or anybody else we'll see how we go
0: yeah no definitely agree agree with that um so yeah we, we've done just over an hour It's gone quick um yes. so yeah, just to finish off after this question i'll Um, Ask about all your services and where people can go. Just to finish, i want to ask if there's one piece of wisdom you could offer from all your years. Big question. Um, You've offered us a lot of wisdom already. Uh, What would it be? What would your one piece of wisdom?
1: It would be to, and and this comes from from my shadow work, and it's to recognise that that which you think the environment is doing to you, is only that which you are doing to yourself. So become aware of where you're responsible for how you are responding to the world around you. And center yourself, ground yourself, and do the best that you can be to be in your center so that you come from a point of center as much as possible. The world isn't doing it to you. It may be a stimulus, but you do it to yourself. So the more you can recognise that, the easier it is to navigate through this difficult world. And there are always spaces. So whenever you think that there's a brick wall, you can't move forward, you're just not looking for the space. There's always a way to navigate around.
0: I love that. So, yeah, taking personal responsibility, personal empowerment. Yeah, it's kind of like... The world is always going to offer challenges, isn't it? So the main thing to focus yeah. on is yourself and how you can respond to them. So I think that's uh, a yeah. yeah, powerful final message. Thank you. And yeah, lastly, if you just want to tell us about your services, where your oh. centre is, where we can find your stuff online, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. So
1: uh, so the Centre for Integral Health is based in Shrewsbury uh, and you can find that at centreforintegralhealth.com. My personal work, I work in um, North Wales, Cheshire, and shrewsbury uh, as well as travel around the country to to various bits and you can find me at bencolder.co.uk. and uh, you can also find through either of those websites our e-learning portal which has got my shadow work in there access into our qigong retreat days and our uh, qigong training program uh, and other things that we're going to be developing over the next uh, year or so and uh classes with me in shrewsbury and north wales uh we've got our spring retreat day coming up 12th of march up in north wales to bring in that wood element uh, these are five element retreat days i do throughout the year and so we're doing beautiful qigong practice for a day at a lovely venue in north wales we've got our uh, spring equinox on the 20th of uh march and uh, and then you'll find me through a string of awesome events you can find me on instagram on benji calder you can find me on twitter on benji calder i'm in instagram <laughs> on facebook uh, Dan Calder integral health uh, so and you can get all that stuff off my website as well
0: epic, so <laughs> epic love it love it and i'll leave all the links down below um awesome. i'll have to come over to the center because cassie says she wanted to do some um, Bowen therapy with you yeah.
1: she's um, yeah.
0: she's pregnant again so
1: yeah. Awesome.
0: Congratulations, man. Well Thank done. Thank you. Yeah. And um I want to come over and see the center myself, so maybe we'll we'll both come over. Yeah, Wicked. Cool. So yeah guys, just a reminder, uh super early birds still on sale for the Saw Festival until the end of Feb. It's only £99, which compared to other similar festivals, very, very reasonable. Um, And the festival itself is the 26th to the 29th of May. You can see Ben there. He's going to do a Qigong class. He's going to do a talk of kinesiology. So as you can see from today's chat, lots of wisdom to tap into there. So you'll find Ben. And uh, thank you, Ben, so much for coming on. Really enjoyed it, mate. Pleasure,
1: really. Thanks, Alex. Take your time.
0: Thank you. Big love, everyone. And peace.